I've heard it said you steer where you stare. We are bombarded daily with voices vying for our attention. And if we fill our days and minds with Netflix and social media feeds, we can get off track pretty quick. That's why I developed a 30-day music challenge. Listen to Christian music exclusively for 30 days. The challenge is free, and I'll be right there with you every step of the way. Head over to michellenizette.com forward slash 30-day challenge to sign up. Change your music, change your life. You're listening to More Than a Song, episode 99. Hello and welcome to this episode of More Than a Song. My name is Michelle Nizat and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you discover the truth of scripture hidden in today's popular Christian music. My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. This week's song has been very timely for me as I prayerfully support others through some difficult decisions, some terrible circumstances, and some poor choices, and as I surrender my own urgent needs to the Father as well. And Casting Crown's song, Just Be Held, is a strong reminder of a posture that I often picture in my own mind of myself just sitting in my Heavenly Father's lap and being held. And because this song was a request by one of my listeners, Kathy, I'm pretty sure the lyrics speak to many of you, too. So when you're on your knees and answers seem so far away, you're not alone, stop holding on and just be. Your world's not falling apart, it's falling into place I'm on the throne, stop holding on and just be here Just be here Just be I want you to remember that the purpose of this podcast is to use the song to point us back to scripture, not necessarily provide commentary on every lyric. And what I love about Casting Crowns is that they have the same love of scripture and all of their supporting documentation that you can find on their website. So a quick search of their website and you'll find an entire series of teaching resources related to the Thrive album that this song is on. The lead singer of Casting Crowns, um, Mark Hall is a full-time youth pastor. He's a songwriter, traveling musician, and he was serving on his worship team every Sunday, not to mention that he's a father and a husband. And uh, the storm of cancer came out of nowhere and slammed into his life. And in the video that I'm going to post in the show notes, he mentions that they wrote this song and had been performing it, but little did he know how desperately he would need it on his own cancer survival journey. So in trying to pick up where in scripture we would go, I decided to take um, their their lead from the devotion that they posted on their website. So I'm going to link to the original devotion that they wrote in the show notes. And before we dive in, though, I want to remind you that this is one way that you can take a bite out of scripture. And I'm going to be sharing with you every episode um, Bible Interaction Tool Exercises, B-I-T-E, to take a bite out of scripture. And the, the one that I'm going to be sharing today is Use Devotions to get you into God's word. It's very simple, but here's the problem. We read the devotion and then that's it. 
So even if uh, in a devotion that we have, uh, maybe we're reading from a book or a a daily devotion book or, or a blog post or something like that, we read it. It may even speak to us profoundly, but we don't take the time to go and read the scriptures that it even talks about or that it's even based on. And you can choose to break that cycle. The more you break the cycle by stopping and reading the entire section of scripture and then eventually the whole chapter and then eventually a few chapters leading up to your uh, highlighted verse, the more you're going to train yourself to spend time in God's word and be committed to understanding it, not just reading it. And so this is what I want you to do. If you are in the stage where you are not reading God's word or any sort of devotional Choose one and commit to reading it daily. And when you do that, you know, you got to realize most devotions take fewer than five minutes to consume. So perhaps, though, that you are in a place where you are regularly consuming devotions of some sort. So it can, again, be a book, an app, a blog post, something like that. But when you read these devotions, read any of the scriptures that are referenced out loud. I got that tip from my friend Keith Farron over at KeithFarron.com. It's easy to skim over God's word and and hurry up and get to the opinion or the commentary on God's word, um, especially if you're real familiar with scripture. So if you kind of know, oh, yeah, I've read that verse before, it's very easy to skim over it and uh, try to get to what the person has to say about it. And not read the scripture at all, if you can believe that. Now, don't get me wrong. I've learned a lot and been greatly encouraged by many well-written devotions. And I, I mean, I hope you get encouragement from my words on this podcast. But you should never elevate it above God's word. So once you get in the habit of slowing down and consuming God's word in devotion, reading aloud the scripture as you come across it, that way it helps you slow down and kind of pay attention a little bit closer, then I challenge you to read your devotion with your Bible in your hand. Go look up that verse that it's mentioning and read it in context of the section that it's in. Now, most of your Bibles are going to divide the chapters into topical sections. So um, let me give you an example. Uh, I recently read a devotion on storing up treasure in heaven by placing our trust in God in the good times and in the bad. And the verses referenced were Matthew chapter 6, verses 20 and 21. So when I picked up my Bible, uh, I looked for those verses and I noticed that they, they were in a section entitled, Teaching About Money and Possessions. So I read the whole section. But now instead of just two verses out of context, you can read and ponder 15 verses in context and perhaps spend more time considering God's words than someone else's words. And then consider this. You know, I keep myself on a pretty tight leash. I mean, to say what I need to say in this podcast in less than 25 minutes is actually pretty hard for me. Um, When I'm studying scripture and prayerfully just trying to boil it down to the key points that flow together, and always, always, always trying to keep an eye toward inspiring you to pick up God's word for yourself— I I kind of have to write out what I'm going to say and really hold myself back from too much wandering off or I'll have a 40-minute podcast in a heartbeat. You know, every week there is so much more that I could say. There's so much more that I have discovered through reading God's Word that I'm able to include. I'm boiling it down to chunks that you can digest and hopefully retain, but there's a wealth of things God is showing me as I study and ponder and prepare. And I can promise you that the person writing the devotion in one page or less has done the same thing. 
They're trying to boil down amazing truths into bite-sized pieces. But for those of you who like to read uh, read the books, you know, that Hollywood movie directors make into movies, you always know the book is better than the movie. The movie just can't include all of the details that the book can, or it'd end up being a six-hour movie instead of a two-hour movie. And this is true of God's Word and devotions. It's almost even worse. You know, like the devotion is not even a movie. It's just like a movie trailer. How many of you say, oh yeah, I saw that movie when all you've seen is a trailer of it. So what I'm saying is by reading the whole section that the devotions, the devotions verses are in, you turn this quick drive-by devotion referencing two verses into a greater investment. And then a quick thought on storing up treasure in heaven by placing my trust in God may turn into God revealing himself in a deeper way on that topic. Or for me, in this section, I needed the reminder at the end of this section that says that I shouldn't worry That and reminds me that today's trouble is enough for today. Well, can I get an amen on that? Okay, so the final level of this challenge is to, and again, I want you to take baby steps. So I don't want you to think, oh my goodness, I have to do this right away. So read a devotion. Just get committed to reading every day. Read the verse out loud. Then read it in the section that it includes in. And then um, the final challenge is take a verse and read it, at least read it in the whole chapter that it's included in, all the way up to maybe even reading the whole book. A lot of a lot of the epistles are just a few chapters, so four or five chapters. Or if it's a longer book, like we're going to be in Acts today, reading four or five chapters leading up to your chapter that you're going to be, or the verse or chapters that you're going to be focusing on. So the reason I went over all of this is to tell you that it is possible for this to become such a go-to habit that you find yourself doing this without even thinking about it after a while. You know, it's going to take a more significant time commitment, of course, than a five-minute drive-by devotion. But I can guarantee it's no more than you're already spending on social media or radio or TV consumption. I, I just think we all we all can make time for this kind of practice. In fact, as I sat down to jump into today's devotion to begin to unpack it, I realized I had done just that without even thinking about it. You know, a chapter turned into five without a second thought. But I realized this habit doesn't happen overnight. So just just commit to yourself that you'll take baby steps. So let's jump into scripture and see why my one chapter turned into five this week. So as I mentioned earlier, in doing my research for the song, I ran across the devotion on the Casting Crowns website, and I loved one of the ideas that came out of it, and I wanted to share it with you and then add a few points of my own that God's given me. So the devotion takes us to Acts chapter 27, and before I could even get into reading the chapter, I noticed that the title of the first section is Paul Sails to Rome. And part of the habits that I'm hoping you develop over time will make you immediately ask the question, why was Paul sailing to Rome? So that's the thought, you know, that's what I thought right away. Now, normally you can just jump back a verse or two or a section or chapter or two. But in this case, this journey to Rome started in Acts chapter 21, where we find Paul heading to Jerusalem. And I want to go all the way back to 21 because I really want you to understand the journey that led him to this place where he um, is on a ship, by the way, in a storm in Acts chapter 27. Now, no one in chapter 21 close to him, no one who loves him, wants him to go to Jerusalem. In fact, he's warned several different ways uh, about what will happen. 
But uh, I want you to notice that no one says that he shouldn't go. God never said you shouldn't go, but they all believe it's going to lead to his death. So as a quick recap, Paul heads to Jerusalem despite the warnings. Now that rabbit chaser in me wants to spend some time considering that, you know, like really diving in, making sure, why would you do that? Why would you go? Uh, But I needed to get to Acts 27, so I kept reading, okay? So when Paul gets to Jerusalem, he meets with James, who is like an executive pastor over Jerusalem. He's like the bishop of Jerusalem, so to speak. And Paul updates James and the other leaders with him about all that God has been doing through his ministry to the Gentiles. And yes, this is James, the brother of Jesus, also the author of the book of James. And uh, Gentiles, for those of you who are just new to scripture and this whole Jew-Gentile thing is confusing, they are those who are not born Jewish. So the Jews are the children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's that line, that lineage. And they, uh, the Jews have a special covenant relationship with God that dates back to the book of Genesis. And you can read all about that covenant with Abraham all the way back then. But what the Jews don't fully understand is that Christ came to break the divide between Jew and Gentile. And his sacrifice, um, although it's foreshadowed through everything throughout the Bible, uh, means that we all have access to the Father. Anyone who believes in him, chooses to follow Jesus, despite their religious or ethnic heritage, have has access to God. So in Paul's time, you, you have to kind of overcome several hurdles. First of all, you when you're witnessing to a Jew, you got to convince them or, or the Holy Spirit needs to convince them. But you're trying to get them to understand that Jesus is the Messiah, the fulfillment of the promises of the Old Testament. Um, but then you're trying to say, but he's not just the Messiah to the Jews, which is another just, you know, mind blown idea for uh, the Jewish people then. So let's just say that we're Jews who are believers. We're followers of the way. We're Christians. We believe God's big enough to accept the Gentiles. Okay, fine. As long as they don't come into the temple because they're not circumcised. They don't follow the laws of the Old Testament. They're just not like us. And they don't meet the standard that God has given us. And we are really proud of our heritage. Again, I could start to chase a rabbit here because that kind of sounds like segregation to me. I'm not going to do that because we have to get to why Paul is on this boat sailing to Rome. But you can see how exciting spending time in God's word and just pondering can be. But let's just jump back in. So this is why Paul is heading into some pretty significant danger here when he goes to Jerusalem. Because in Jerusalem, tempers are raging among Jewish believers who, number one, don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah. After all, they had him crucified. And then, and and they can't even stand the followers of the way. And then you add in these Jewish believers who think that Paul's not strict enough in his instruction to the Gentiles. Gentile believers, and that he defiles the temple by bringing uncircumcised Gentiles into the temple. Now, we may not understand the times that they're living in. Is we don't define people that way these days. You don't walk up to each other and say, are you Jewish? Are you Gentile? Pretty much all of us are Gentiles, by the way. And um, But let's just say the feelings run deep. They strike chords of, of strong convictions. And they think that Paul's crossed the line. And when they think that, all H-E double hockey sticks breaks loose uh, in Jerusalem. In fact, as a result of all this anger, a riot gets started and Paul gets arrested. Now, his Roman citizenship saves his life and offers him the right to stand trial, which is great. And because of this, Paul has the opportunity to share his testimony 
and the gospel of Christ to not only the angry mob in Jerusalem, but the high council, which is like the Jewish leadership. He gets to appeal to the governor of Caesarea, Felix, and his wife, Drusilla. By the way, he remained in prison, but was able to keep um, testifying to them and, and, and talking to them about Jesus over the course of two years. Then Felix is succeeded, is succeeded by Festus, who asks... If Paul is willing to go to Jerusalem and stand trial there, because he's trying to please the Jews, and Paul's like, no. And at this point, he takes a very important step. Paul appeals to Caesar. So as a Roman citizen, you have the right to appeal to Caesar, but by doing this, you're going to have to go to Rome. And so now he set his foot on the path that will ultimately lead him to Rome. But before he heads there, he's able to share the complete gospel with Festus and King Agrippa and his sister Bernice, who eventually said to Festus that he could have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. So the entire story is fascinating. I hope you read it all. Uh, you can look back with 2020 vision and see that that all of it, although seemingly meaningless, if you took it out of context, you would think his suffering was without reason. But it, you realize that it ultimately leads Paul to Rome where God wanted the gospel to spread. And it, it happened at the hands of Christians, but it increased Paul's opportunity to witness. Now, I have to admit, I can see the value in all that's happening to Paul now because of how God used Paul to write the very words that makes up most of the New Testament today. But I, rarely am I just so hunky-dory with um, suffering for seemingly no reason, especially at the hands of Christians. So we see Paul, a prisoner, on a ship heading for Rome, but ending up in a storm. Not just any storm. It's a nor'easter. It's a typhoon. It's a hurricane. It's a big deal. And this is what uh, they did on this ship. We're finally to Acts 27, because again, this is heading toward Rome. This is what they did during the storm. Uh, In fact, I liken it to how our song starts out. They were trying to do everything to hold on. Hold it all together, everybody needs you strong. But life hits you out of nowhere and barely leaves you holding on. So here's what they did. They chose First, they chose a path of safety. They sailed close to the shore. But when the storm hit, it blew them out to sea. So they stopped fighting it and kind of let the wind take them. Then they tried to hold it all together by binding ropes to strengthen the hull of the ship. Then they lowered the anchor to slow the ship. Then they threw cargo overboard, which, by the way, they were a cargo ship. But they were willing to abandon their purpose in order to survive. Then they started throwing over some of the ship's gear which is what they needed to function as a sailing ship. And so they began to abandon that. And then they lost all hope. So first they abandoned their purpose. Then they abandoned the tools they needed to function. And then they abandoned all hope. But God. If your eyes are on a storm, you wonder if a love is still. If your eyes are on the cross, you know I always have and I always will. Starting in verse 21 of Acts 27, it says, No one had eaten for a long time. Finally, Paul called the crew together and said, Men, you should have listened to me in the first place and not left Crete. You would have avoided all this damage and loss. 
but take courage. None of you will lose your lives, even though the ship will go down. For last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me, and he said, Don't be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. What's more, God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. So take courage, for I believe God. It will be just as he said, but we will be shipwrecked on an island. So in verse 7, it goes on to say that at about midnight on the 14th night of the storm, this was not just a one-day job. This was a doozy. This was a long-lasting storm. They finally sensed land. But still, it didn't mean that they, they, in their mind, they're like, that doesn't mean we're going to survive, even though God said that they would. If you keep reading, you realize that the entire ship had to be broken to pieces for everyone to survive. The very ship they tried to save by tying it up tight to strengthen it took them to shore when they grabbed a hold of the broken pieces. And as I've been contemplating this story in Scripture, I've been gleaning a few things that I want to share with you as I close. First, I don't see Paul rehearsing his sorrows Every painful opportunity he is given, he uses it to share the gospel and tell others what God has done. In fact, when King Agrippa challenges him and says, do you think you can persuade me to become a Christian so quickly? Paul's reply, whether quickly or not, I pray that both you and everyone here in this audience might become the same as I am, except for these chains. So this is a man that rehearses the greatness of God, not the offenses of others, or bemoans his current circumstances. In fact, in 2 Corinthians 1, Paul speaks of another trial. He says, we were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die, but as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God who raises the dead. And he did rescue us from mortal danger, and he will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in him, and he will continue to rescue us. Stop rehearsing your sorrows and the offenses of others. When you feel yourself going there, replace it with rehearsing the goodness of God. And hey, Christian music is one of the best ways to do that. You put it on, you sing along with it, and you rehearse the greatness and goodness of God. Second, don't try to play the whole story out in your mind. You just, you have to trust God. You know, often we try to play out the successful conclusion of our circumstances, or if you tend to be a negative person, the ultimate demise of our circumstances. This is not a healthy habit. God clearly says that his thoughts are not our thoughts and his ways are not our ways. We are not to lean on our own understanding, but his alone. You know, this means that we may need to trust him moment by moment much less day by day, but there's no indication in Acts that Paul knew that his ultimate destination was Rome when he returned to Jerusalem and began that long journey. In fact, even in Acts 27, the angel gave him the final word that they would survive, but I don't. there's no indication that he knew that they were going to survive until the angel appeared to him. So moment by moment, trust him. Don't try to play it out. Only God knows the end of the story, and he has a plan. Finally, remember, sometimes it is your brokenness that will lead to your rescue. Just be held. So what's next? Well, I encourage you to read Acts 21 through 27, even beyond. You know, don't you want to see what happened or if Paul makes it to Rome and what happens after that? 
So take my challenge also to take baby steps in your regular devotion times to begin to consume more and more scripture. And while you're in God's Word this week, let me know how you're doing. Email me, michelle at michellekneesat.com. You can hop on Twitter or Facebook, and let's talk about what you're learning. Now, before I tell you what song will be featured next week, I want to shout out to Warren from somewhere in the U.S., Sandy from California, Joel from Mexico, Deborah from California, and Cheryl from North Carolina. They are my newest subscribers to my website, Welcome. Now, the benefit of subscribing is that I will email you once a week, and in that email, you will get a weekly memory verse resource. You can display it on your smartphone, tablet, desktop, or print it out and place it in a visible place where you'll see it every day. Uh, You'll get an email recap of the week's episode, and you'll get instant access to any of the extra resources that I create from time to time. All of that is just my way of saying thank you for listening. So head over to michellekneesat.com to subscribe today. And then don't miss an episode of my podcast. If you subscribe in iTunes, it'll come straight into your smart dev- smartphone or, or, or tablet. And while you're there, please leave me a written review and a star rating. This encourages me, but it also helps me stay visible to new listeners. And as always, if you take the time to review my podcast, I will take the time to personally thank you right here on the podcast. Just like Mama Sweetbike, who says the podcast is helpful and encouraged her to read the word. Woohoo! She says, I love Christian music and using the Bible as a tool to fully understand what he is asking of me. God bless you. Well, God bless you, Mama Sweetbike. Thank you for the review. Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. Next week, I will use Awake Our Souls by Tim Timmons to celebrate my 100th episode. Can you believe it? And of course, we'll jump into scripture. Thanks to my daughter, Emily, for the suggestion. If you liked this episode, would you mind sharing it with others? I've made it really easy. With just one click, you can share via Facebook, Twitter, or email. Just head over to michellekneesat.com forward slash 99. While you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways.